Open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. We're going to really stay there for the entire message today and uh, dive into God's Word. We don't have a lot of time, so, so again, just keep the passage open and, and uh, let's, let's look at God's Word together. We're in a series called Prayer. We're just looking at that for a few weeks. And, and I prefaced last Sunday's message with this thought, and it's actually something I drew on the board. So if you were here last week, this will be a refresher. If you weren't here last week, you'll get to see this for the first time. I'm going to ask our team, I don't know if we can put this on the screen because we're kind of spread out today uh, across the sanctuary. I want to make sure everybody can see, but the number one question that I get as a pastor is, are we living in the end times? It doesn't matter if it's a a Christian or non-Christian. That's the number one question I get. Are we living in the end times? Well, yes, we are. So how does this play out? And so I drew this last week. And so we have Christ coming the first time. We'll celebrate that toward the end of this month into December, Advent, Christmas. So we will celebrate his coming. He died on a cross and rose from the dead. Uh, We'll celebrate that at Easter and the Ascension Convention. And then he ascended back into heaven. And, And that's when the church age began in history here. So this Line here is our timeline, and and Jesus teaches in the Gospels that he will build his church, and he asked the disciples, and now the apostles, to build the church, and so they've done it. We're living in the church age, but there is a time coming where Jesus will return. Jesus is coming back. Now, as the New Testament talks about this return and we get closer to it, this time right here, the Bible tells us it's going to be crazy. It doesn't matter if it's Old Testament, New Testament, and it really doesn't matter what your view of the end times is, because I know there's a lot of views on the end times, but no matter what you believe, this time gets pretty wild. So what does the Bible tell us to do? Old Testament, New Testament, when the end times come, what are we to do? Every single passage says the same thing. Every single passage says, pray, pray. That when the end times are upon us, we're called to pray. There's a quote I want to give you as we begin today. It's from Leonard Sweet, probably one of the most important Christian thinkers of our time. He said this, Jesus is not a lesson to be learned, but a life to be lived. I don't want you to leave today with another lesson. Like you go to school and you get that lesson. I want you to get something to apply to your life that you will live out in the days to come. Because Peter tells us how we are to live in the end times, how we are to live expectantly and to be ready. And so let's look at our passage of Scripture and then dive into it together here today. 1 Peter chapter 4, beginning at verse 7. The end of all things is near. So we know the end times is here. The end of all things is near, therefore be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Again, there is the idea that we pray in the end times. Verse 8, above all, love one another deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you receive to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. 
anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, and so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. So look at that verse there quickly. It talks about we're to use our gift for the glory of God, that you and I, our lives are meant for the glory of God. What does that mean? That means you and I should help God look good. We should make God look as good as he really is. That's how we bring glory to God, through our lives. And so Peter gives us three things that we're to do. And so you can write these down. Pray, love, and serve. Pray, love, and serve. In these last days, how are we to live our lives? Pray, love, and serve. So we begin with prayer. Prayer glorifies God when I go to him in my weakness. I don't know about you, but I don't know if I feel ready for these last days. Right? I mean, I, I, you just, you're like, I am not sufficient in my own strength to accomplish what God wants me to do. And I don't want to be self-sufficient. I don't want to be arrogant before God. I want to be humble before him and just say, God, I need you. I really, really need you. I need your wisdom. I need your strength. I need your sufficiency. When we look at what's coming and then we, we look at ourselves, that should drive us to prayer. And there's two things that Peter says our prayer should be. First of all, he says we should be alert, and that literally means sound judgment. That we shouldn't be going off the deep end. How many Christians do you know that they are just losing their minds right now? They are so swayed by every report they see on the news or every feeling that they have. I want to tell you, God says, I want you to be level-headed in the end times. I don't want you swinging this way or that way. I want you walking according to my word. We need this in our life. We need to be alert. We need to be walking in sound judgment. We need God. We can't do this on our own. We pray and say, God, give me wisdom in these days how to live so I don't look crazy like the rest of the world. This other thing he said is to be sober or to watch. It literally means to watch and pray. The idea of being sober is not being drunk. It's not having your faculties impaired. It's not stumbling through life, that we are to be awake, not to fall asleep, but to watch and be alert during these days. In the very next chapter, in 1 Peter Chapter 5, when he's talking about the, the uh, uh, spiritual battle that we're going to face in the end times, it says in 1 Peter 5, 8, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. This theme of staying alert, staying awake, staying sober, it's almost like Peter's doing the hand clap. Stay awake. Stay awake in these days. Guard your heart. Guard your life. Watch. Don't go off the deep end. Just stay steady with the Lord. Every great man and woman of church history, as we follow this line from the apostles on through, and you think of great missionaries or great revivalists or all these different people, Every single great man or woman of God was a person of prayer. 
prayer defined their life, that they went to the Lord in prayer. They, they relied on God. Whatever they need, they just went to God and put their faith in Him. That's number one. Pray. Make it part of your life. Number two is to love. Above all, the Christian priority is to love. God says, this is what you have to do. Love me, love others. That's the greatest commandment. The truest test of our faith is to love. Peter says it this way in verse 8, above all things, have fervent love for one another. That that what's, that's what marks our Christianity, that we would love God, we would love other people, and that word fervent is actually an athletic term, and it's that term we would use it today when you're cro- the runner's crossing the finish line and they use every muscle they have to reach across the line to, to get their nose across that line, to be the first one to win the race, that, that fervency in that moment, and that's what God is saying, the end is near. We should be fervent in our love for others. But fervency isn't a warm, fuzzy feeling. It requires effort in our life. And love is not a feeling. The Bible teaches us what love is. It'll be on the screen. It's three things. Love is a command. Love is a decision. And love is a vow. You and I are commanded to love. We're commanded to love God. Above all else, love Him. We're commanded to love other people. And it's something that we decide to do. We don't do it when we feel like doing it. We do it because God told us to do it. We decide we are going to love. And then we make that vow and we say no matter what. Like we do on our wedding day with our spouse. We vow to love whether the feelings are there or not. Till death do us part in good times and in bad. This is what love is. Love is a command, a decision, it's a vow. And then Peter quotes the book of Proverbs in the second part of the verse where he says, love covers a multitude of sins. Love covers a multitude of sins. That does not mean that love condones sins. Love doesn't cover up if there's abuse. Love doesn't cover up if if somebody is walking in sin. That's not what it's talking about here. When we talk about covering sins, what covers sins? Well, you think of Jesus, right? You think of Jesus' love. What does Jesus' love do? It led him to the cross where he died for our sins, and he loves us. And you know what it is? It's forgiveness. That's what what love covering a multitude of sins is. It's forgiving other people. It's forgiving people that hurt us, forgiving people who hate us, forgiving people who are out to get us. It doesn't retaliate. It doesn't hold a grudge. You know, I want to know what love is. You just go to 1 Corinthians 13, and we're just going to look at one verse. You can read through it all to see what love is. It says that love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love always builds up. It doesn't tear down. This isn't just a marriage or family or church or with the people that you love or like. This, this idea of love building up and not tearing down is for everyone. You know you are commanded to love people that don't like you. You're to love people who think differently than you think. You're called to love people who persecute you. We are called to show hospitality. That's what Peter's talking about in this passage of Scripture. Hospitality literally means the love of strangers. The love of people who aren't like me. The the love of people 
that might even be seen as an enemy, but we are called to love. I wanted to talk about this today because I think in the last days, when this is going crazy, that's going to be the most powerful testimony of our faith, is that we love those who persecute us. We love those who are different from us. We show God's love to everyone that we meet. We don't hold the grudge. We don't retaliate, but that we, we love as Jesus loved. We're called to pray. We're called to love. And finally, we're called to serve. If you are walking in Christian love, you will be called to serve. That's just how it works its way out. We serve because we love and service is powerful, right? I mean, even in this video, the idea of thank you for your service. And when he said you're worth it, I just... That's so powerful, right? That, that idea that if we see a veteran it's in uniform or maybe an older guy wearing that cap, we just, we just say thank you for your service. There's something powerful about that. And, and it, the reason it's powerful is because service was actually God's idea. It wasn't the world's idea. It wasn't the enemy's idea. Service was actually God's idea. The disciples are always arguing throughout the Gospels who's the greatest, in Mark chapter 10, there's one time they, they, James and John are like trying to get as close as they can to Jesus and sit on the right hand and the left. And, and man, it's, they, just, they start really going at it, all the disciples. And Jesus has to take them away and say, look, you know how the world works. You know how that you have to climb over people and bring other people down and you have to lord it over other people and you have to be the boss and the boss's boss. And, I mean, if that's how you want to live life, that's how the world does it. But he says, not with me. Not in my kingdom. He says in, in verse 43, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Service is God's idea. It's going to be powerful in the end times when we begin to share our gifts that God has given us. That in this moment when the world is going crazy and you begin to walk in the gifting that God has given you. And I want to just make this declaration to everyone here and I mean everyone here, not just pastors, missionaries, or different people up front, everyone here, everyone watching, everybody listening to a podcast later, watching on YouTube, wherever you're doing, just everyone has been given a gift by God. He has deposited something inside of you that is his gift to you, but it's not for you, it's for this world. That God gave, so he gave you a calling, he gave you a purpose, he gave you a gift set of talents, he, he gave you abilities, he put all these things inside of you that you've been shaped your whole life for the moment in which you live, and, and this is inside of you. Each one of us has it. Your time has not passed. If you're still drawing breath, you still have a gift that you can still use, and so we use our gift for the glory of God. We exercise it for his glory. Now, throughout the New Testament, it talks about all different kinds of gifts, and we're actually going to talk about all those gifts next year. But let's just talk about what Peter's talking about in the end times. He breaks it down into two parts. There's speaking gifts and serving gifts. And so we'll just call them upfront gifts and behind-the-scene gifts. Those, those, there'll be gifts where God uses to be very vocal, uh, to be very visible, and God will give those gifts. And then he will also give gifts for those that are behind the scenes, doing the work, um, just whatever their gifting is, showing that hospitality, whatever it is. And, and he says, whether you're speaking or you're serving, you do it for the glory of God. You don't do it for yourself. 
You do it for God's glory. You use it in his strength. There's a couple things here. One, you can't do and perform your gift in the end times in your own strength. You may have gotten away with it for a while, but as we move closer to the end, you're going to need his power at work inside of you. You're not going to be able to do it on your own. You're going to have to say, okay, God, I'm going to need your power. Like we were saying, we need a fresh wind. We sang that this morning, right? Come Holy Spirit. You know, I need your power. And God says, I'm going to supply all that you need in these last days. Think of it like a, a rich benefactor that whenever a bill comes in, you could just turn that bill over to somebody and they'll pay it for you. Just somebody that, that's there for you. That, that's God. He's like, when you come to me and you need something, I'm here for you. I'm going I'm to give you what to say. I'm going to give you what to do. I'm going to empower you in these last days. And, and here's the truth. Listen to me. This is so important. The world needs your gift. The world needs your gift. Your family needs your gift. The church needs your gift. Don't hide your gift. Don't say, well, I don't know. Mine's not that big a deal. Each one of us has a gift to give, to offer unto the Lord for his glory so that we can, we can serve him in this world as we move toward the end times, that we would serve. And, and again, he will use all of our gifts coming together and we will be a city on a hill that is lit and so bright. And when we lift him up, what happens? He draws everyone unto himself. We are called not to hide out in these last days, but to give our gift and to shine our lights. Let me give you a sentence that wraps up this entire sermon today. You can write it down. The end is near. Therefore, we should bring glory to God through prayer, love, and service. The end is near, therefore we should bring glory to God through prayer, love, and service. They'll keep it up there just for a moment if you're writing it down. I want you to think real quickly, how would this change your life? If you walked in prayer, love, and service. How would your relationships change? How would your relationship with your spouse change? With your kids? At school? at work, wherever you go, if I'm walking in prayer, walking in love, walking in my gift, in my service, if I'm constantly walking in that, that love that builds up and doesn't tear down, that love that forgives, the love that covers sin, the love that is there that Jesus had for us, we share with everybody, what, I mean, we just start using the gift that God gave us. What if we did that? How would our lives change? Imagine what life would be like. In 1959, uh, the Queen of England visited Chicago. She came in her yacht. And so the city, uh, and you can read about this online, there's so many great stories from this visit. When the yacht arrived, they built a special port for the, the yacht to be docked, and they literally rolled out a red carpet for the Queen and, and all of her family and guests. And, and, and they, they even painted all the garbage cans along the streets with her emblem. I mean, they did all this stuff for the queen to come. And so the newspapers began to ask all the hotels, what are you doing to prepare for the queen's arrival? And I love what the uh, manager of the Drake Hotel, you know, the iconic hotel that if you're coming down Lakeshore Drive toward the city, and it's just there at the foot of the John Hancock, just the beautiful building, the Drake, you know, 
famous for so many years. This is what the manager of the Drake Hotel said. We are making no plans for the queen. Our rooms are already ready for royalty. We don't have to get ready for the queen. We're already ready for the queen. We were ready for the queen a week ago, two weeks ago, a month ago, a year ago, when we started, because that's our, that's our level. We are making no special plans. We, we're already ready. There's going to be too many people trying to get ready. Get ready now. Don't wait to pray, love, and serve. Do it now. Start now. You say, well, I don't know if Jesus is coming back that soon. Listen, it doesn't matter. I was talking to my friend Dave last night before church. He just lost his mom. His words to me was, life is so short. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. We may be caught up in the air to see him, or we just may see him face to face because life's over. Don't wait till the end to get ready. Don't wait for that moment when life is flashing before your eyes. Get ready now. Get ready now. Walk in prayer. Walk in love. Walk in serving. That's what we're called to do. Would you bow your heads and your hearts with me today? Thank you, Jesus. Let's prepare our hearts for our coming King. Would you just take a moment in, in the quietness of his presence here today? It's been so good to gather together. His word was super clear to us today, and so would you just prepare your heart right now? As I pray, would you just surrender yourself once again to Jesus? God loved you so much that he sent his one only son to die on a cross for our sin. Whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. You're not called to perish. You're called to life. You're not called to perish in this life or the end times. You're called to live with God forever. Jesus did that for you and all he said is would you follow me? And so that's what we're going to do today as I pray for us. We're going to say, God, I am choosing to follow you. And Peter just made it super clear for us in the word today. This is how you follow. This is what you do in the last days. This is how you live. It's not a lesson to be taught. It's a life to be lived. Here's what you do. You pray, you love, and you serve. And so as I pray for you today, I'm just going to ask you, to make a fresh commitment to God, to get your heart ready. God, thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, thank you for just now burning it into our hearts. Thank you, God, that it is being planted deep inside of us, and the enemy is not going to snatch this. This is going to produce good fruit. So, Lord, we thank you, God for your word, and now we choose to obey it. 
that we will not live in our own strength, but we will live for your glory, and we will do that through praying and asking you for help. That we will do that by loving others, loving everyone around us, even the ones that hate us, even the stranger. Lord, just give us a fresh heart of love toward our family, toward our friends, toward the world. Lord, ignite the gift, fan into flame the gift you've placed inside of us. And Lord, not for our glory, but for your glory, for the world that needs these gifts, God, for the church that needs your gifts, for our families and our lives that need these gifts. Help us to discover our gifts and not to hide them, but to fan them into flame for your glory. And may each of these just drive us back to the first one, to prayer. May it drive us back to realize that we are not able to do this on our own. We are not self-sufficient. But yet, God, you supply all that we need. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for making us more ready today for your return. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We'll continue on through the New Testament looking at what is God calling us to do as he returns and how it applies to prayer in our, our lives. And so we'll continue on then.